This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, as you likely heard on the news, the Vancouver Police Department has formalized a new policy around something called street checks or known also as carding, talking about the voluntary interactions with police. So they go beyond the casual conversation and during the check, you could be asked for uh, ID for uh, identifying information. Well, joining me in studio right now to talk a bit more about this is Kyla Lee, a lawyer with Acumen Law. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. And I should mention uh, in the second half of this half hour, we're going to open up the phone lines. So if people have questions about this, Kyla has graciously agreed to stay here for the phone calls. Uh, before that we get to that, though, let's talk about this. I just gave a very basic definition. What exactly is carding or street checks? Essentially, it's a voluntary interaction with a police officer where the officer stops you, asks you for your identification and makes a record of that. But they're not necessarily investigating a criminal offense or using any of their other powers under the Motor Vehicle Act or or under the criminal law. So before this policy, then, could it be anybody walking down the street? If you happen to walk by a police officer, that officer could say, hey, wait a minute, I want to have a chat with you and also give me your ID. Essentially, that was how it was being used. And there was a lot of criticism of it because statistics were revealing that it was being disproportionately used against people who are Indigenous, people of colour. And it was very concerning to see the level of representation of people of colour and Indigenous people in the Lower Mainland compared to the amount of people in those populations. Right. And so do we have an idea on how often this was happening? This was happening a lot. For Indigenous people, it was happening about 15% of the interactions and street checks were Indigenous individuals. And for people who were Black, um, it was about 2% uh, of the interactions, which is a significant increase over the population generally. So, And is it across the board throughout the city? Or do we know if there are certain areas where this was happening more than others? Generally speaking, you would see more street checking happening in areas where there was sort of high rates of crime, uh, especially the downtown east side. There are a lot of uh, advocacy, advocacy groups that were concerned about the use of street checks in um, sort of over-policing in the downtown east side with respect to drugs and, and investigations in relation to that. So what would happen if somebody, if an officer stops somebody just because the officer had a hunch or didn't like the way somebody was dressed or the way they looked, the officer stops somebody and says, hey, I want to have a chat with you. Give me your ID. During the process of that, maybe the person's pulling out their ID and the officer sees something suspect or then can it, could it escalate to something where the person could be searched or what, what could happen in that scenario? Yes, street checks were often used sort of as a ruse to look for other evidence. If police were suspicious, but they didn't have any lawful suspicion and they didn't have any legitimate grounds to investigate an offense, they could use a street check to document that somebody was in a particular place at a particular time. They could use a street check to see what fell out of your pockets while you're producing your ID and then things would transition from there into an arrest for possession of a controlled substance or possession of a weapon that was prohibited or restricted. Hmm. And so the policy has changed. They've now come out with a formal, a formalized new policy. What do you think about that? I was actually pleasantly surprised when I read it. I thought it was a, a very appropriate limitation on the use of this power. Um, and it, it was quite thoughtful in its approach to how people who are of minority groups might view their interactions with police. And that impressed me. Do you think that officers will then, so how will it change? What will change now, do you think, then going from really not having a policy on this to now the VPD saying this is this is the rule when it comes to street checks? 
I think one thing that will change is a lot of officers will stop using this in those circumstances that are improper. Um, because in my experience, the vast majority of police officers really do want to comply with the law and the policies. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be some bad eggs who are just going to break the law. And that's, you know, what you get with any any profession in any area. Um, so I think it's going to decrease the amount of interaction that people have with police. Uh, the other thing I think it will lead to is fewer street checks, because part of the policy now requires advising the person that this is voluntary, that they don't have to do it, and they're free to leave at any time. And I think a lot of people who feel like they shouldn't have have to participate in this will now go, I have the right to assert the fact that I don't have to participate in this and leave. So before when it was happening, if an officer stopped you and said, show me your ID, did you have to show your ID? You didn't have to show your ID, but the problem was that people didn't know that. Right. And what this policy recognizes is that especially when you're dealing with people who are um, disadvantaged as a result of age, as a result of their size in relation to the officer, as a result of their, uh, you know, being from a minority group, um, you'd get this this sense that people would have that they were being detained and that they're, they weren't free to leave, that their, their involvement in the process wasn't voluntary. And so making it clear to a person that their involvement is voluntary and that they can go is going to empower people who didn't feel that way before to make that decision to say, no, I'm not giving you an ID and walk away. And do you think it'll be that that simple if somebody says to an officer, no, I know my rights, I'm not giving you my ID, have a nice day, That will it'll end there? It has to end there. The police are, are prohibited from taking any further action if somebody says, I'm not going to participate in this process. Part of the policy provides a, a provision that says you can't uh, make an arrest or take any further law enforcement action based on somebody's refusal to participate in a street check. What if it's a, a traffic check? Traffic checks are different because police have the power, they have very broad power under the Motor Vehicle Act to stop somebody to check licensing, to check insurance, check sobriety, and to check fitness to drive. So police are still authorized to use that power if they're using it legitimately. If they're using it out of an improper motivation, then that's not permitted. Uh, Do you think this will change things? And I know people have brought up the the case as well, and we've covered it quite a lot. It's not the same as a street check, but the recent case at the Bank of Montreal where an Indigenous grandfather and his 12-year-old granddaughter were handcuffed after being suspected by the employee of a fraud. I mean, the grandfather has come out a few times saying, look, if we weren't Indigenous, this would not have happened. They are not calling the police when a non-Indigenous person comes into the bank and there's a number off on their ID. They're probably just going to ask the person. Certainly, they're not going to be handcuffed if the police are called. Do you think this is starting to kind of change that mindset or, or starting to change things that lead to unfortunate and awful situations like that? I think imposing these policies will start start to change that mindset. Because rather than giving police this sort of broad power that they have to decide how to use appropriately and aren't using appropriately because of institutionalized racism against uh, Indigenous people and other marginalized groups, now we see policies put in place that teach the police officers how to think about their use of power at all times that they're interacting with people so that when we get to these situations where there's a suspected fraud, they're going to take a moment and go, okay, what's the policy here? What am I supposed to be doing? And do I need to handcuff a 12-year-old girl? Right. Because in that scenario, and I think that is getting overlooked sometimes, and yes, it was the bank employee that called police, but it was the officer's choice to put those two people in handcuffs. Yes. And that choice, I think, went way too far. There's uh, there uh, Handcuffs is, is a use of force. And there's only a need to handcuff somebody if there's a, a, a safety reason, if they're concerned the person's going to flee, um, or in circumstances where there's uh, a reason to suspect the person might become 
become violent. A 12-year-old girl doesn't fit any of those categories. And obviously, the size difference between her and any police officer, the, the level of force that any of those individuals can use, it all favored the police. So there was no reason for the handcuffing in that case. Uh, what about a scenario, say, like you said, so police... If they're going to stop somebody now, they have to tell them this is voluntary. You don't have to comply. If does it is it enough of a reasonable ground? Say a police officer is walking by Oppenheimer Park. Is the very fact that you're in Oppenheimer Park, if you're one of the campers, and there's there's criminal activity. I mean, anybody that walks by there, you can see it on a daily basis. Is that enough for police to be able to go in and start checking people? For street checks, the policy now says that police have to be carrying out a specified public safety purpose. So if they are investigating complaints related to public safety concerns at Oppenheimer Park, for example, um, they would be entitled to use the street check policy, but they are also required under the policy to communicate to the person what public safety purpose they're carrying out in conducting the street check. So they have to say, I'm here because there's a report of this or because we're investigating this and I'd like to see your ID. You don't have to produce it and you're free to leave at any time. So would it have to be then based on a report or could it be a police officer saying it's clear this pile of bikes is stolen, I'm now doing a check? I don't think that they could do it like in the example of a pile of bikes because it would be very difficult for them to say it's clear this pile of bikes is stolen but I'm only going to do a street check. If they're investigating an offense they need to use their powers under the criminal code and carry that through properly. It's more about public safety circumstances so if there's a complaint uh, about you know suspected violence or, or a suspicious person who's maybe you know staking out a vehicle looking like they're going to break into it that type of a situation um, is, is more where the policy would apply than investigating an actual offense. We are talking with Kyla Lee, a lawyer at Acumen Law, talking about a new policy put forward by the Vancouver Police Department when it comes to street checks. And just before the break, I put the call out. If you have a question or a comment or if you want to say something to Kyla or need some advice, by all means, this is the time to call in. And Terry has been waiting on the line patiently. Good morning to you. Yeah, I'd like to thank you guys for bringing this subject up. Um, It's really important. Uh, years ago, I was working uh, with somebody, uh, special needs, and I was hauled off SkyTrain, actually, uh, by two SkyTrain security people who were trying to accuse me of doing something wrong, which I did not do. I have no criminal record. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing for a living. Uh, they asked for my identification and my phone number, etc. I refused to give it to them. I said, I have my rights. I won't give you any information other than my first name. Um, I gave them my supervisor's phone number. They didn't bother to phone. They were uh, harassing me, actually, and uh, they finally let me go. But I, like I said, I wouldn't give them any information. And um, I have people have the rights, right? And um, as far as the Aboriginal grandfather and his granddaughter, who were treated so horribly, rudely at the Bank of Montreal um, or whatever it was. I hope that they actually sue the bank and get some money out of that and put it in the bank for her education for the grandchild. Not the Bank of Montreal, maybe another one, because I still think the apology is not good enough for what they ended up doing there. All right, Terry, thanks for the phone call. And actually, Terry raises an interest, interesting point. And Kyla, this is a Vancouver police policy. What about transit police, or if you're on transit, if you're in a situation like that? So every police department in British Columbia was required to put in place their own policy in relation to this. So transit police will have a separate policy. RCMP will have a separate policy. Um, so each each police force will have to have something in place, but it'll be different based on the police force that you're dealing with.
All right. And was Terry right in that scenario to say, I know my rights, my name's Terry, but I don't need to give you any any of my ID or anything else? Unless he was being arrested or detained for a specific offense. If the officers were just suspicious because he's on the on the SkyTrain with somebody with special needs, that's not enough for them to ask for his ID. And, and he was right to say, I'm not going to give it to you. All right. Uh, let's continue on down uh, the phone lines. Len, good morning. Yeah. Hi, Jill. Hi, Kyla. Um, quick question. What is the policy for the RCMP? Hmm. I don't know that we know that yet. <laughs> yeah, I haven't looked into it yet. Um, I would imagine, though, that a lot of police forces are going to be putting out a similar policy. Um, and the reason for that is we've seen decisions from the Supreme Court of Canada in the last year um, that have sort of really limited the amount of authority police have. And the policy that VPD has created is likely to be demonstrative of what other policies are going to have to look like to comply with the law as it's been pronounced by the Supreme Court. All right, Len. Th- oh, sorry, Len. Thanks for the call. If, Len, I think you may have still had a question. If you do, uh, give us a call back. Uh, Dennis is on the line. Dennis, good morning. Hi, Jill. As an ex-police officer, it's not that simple. In one on the street at midnight in a neighborhood, people don't, you don't know what you're dealing with. So I disagree with the cops on the grandfather and the, and the child. Absolutely. But when you're out there, it's not that simple to say the public wants to be protected. And then if we can't check and do the checks on people, and, you know, I've been retired for a while, but the bottom line is that we don't generally, in my case, arrest people. There was a cause for when I checked someone, he was in the neighborhood a certain time of the night and for no reason, or I had a call on that. And I've, I've you know, in my years, I've really seen people getting checked for no reason. All right, Dennis, thanks for that. Kyla, what's your response to that? I think that this is, again, exemplary of what I was saying about how you have some police officers who are going to always be doing things for legitimate reasons and trying their best to comply with the law. And it sounds like Dennis, when he was policing, was one of those officers. But we also know from what we hear from the community that there are circumstances where officers are overusing and and in some cases abusing their authority. So he raised an interesting point. So say there's a scenario where officers are patrolling in a neighborhood. A call has come in that there was maybe a break and enter. They don't have a description. Maybe the description, it was, a, it was a male. Does that give them the right then, if they're in that proximity, to stop any man that they see who's there on the chance that that might be their suspect? Not under the new policy. The new policy is very limiting in terms of if they're investigating something in the area and looking for people. It can't be these immutable characteristics like your race or your gender. It has to be something beyond that, like a description of a piece of clothing that a person's wearing that then can single that person out based on something that wouldn't be something you can't change about yourself, like your skin color. But what if it was, say, uh, there was just a a break and enter and the, the description is a five foot seven white man. Is that enough? The, I mean, the height, you're then getting into more specifics, but if the description was just a white man and they started stopping every person who appeared to be Caucasian, they would be running afoul of the policy. And the reality is that policing requires the officers to do some work. They can't just rely on a description that's given to them. We know that eyewitness identification is notoriously unreliable. They need to do more to investigate using the resources that they have available to them to identify potential suspects. How will we know that this policy is actually being used. 
this is a good question. We we police are required to document any street checks that they do in a street check report, but I don't expect that they're going to document that they followed every single one of the steps that they're supposed to follow when conducting the street check. And so right. we're going to have to hear from members of the community who've been checked about their experience with the process. Would you say the main one though? So will they have to document whether or not they said to the person this is voluntary? They should have to, but I don't think that they're going to, and it doesn't appear to be a requirement that they document those steps were taken. All right. Uh, Steve is on the line. Steve, we don't have a lot of time. You've got about 20 seconds. Yeah, I'd just like to say I don't know how anyone can travel through the downtown east side and say that uh, that the uh, our city is over-policed. I mean, <laughs> I think that uh, we have a situation down there because of too much leniency. All right, Steve, thanks for that. Kyla, what do you say to that? I think that arresting ourselves out of the crisis in the downtown east side is not the solution to the problem. It's a greater social issue than that. All right. Uh, And final words then. Uh, You said earlier you're pleasantly surprised. Uh, Would you like to see other police agencies then follow with what VPD has done? Absolutely. I think that they've set a good model for other policing authorities about what to do when it comes to street checks to make it fair, balanced and reasonable. All right. That is Kyla Lee, a lawyer with Acumen Law in studio talking about this 